Welcome to season two of the Bigger Than You podcast, your go-to weekly podcast that blends energetics and mindset to help you do whatever it takes to bring your vision to life whilst having fun on the way. I'm Jenna Holloway, your host and multi-award winning intuitive hypnotherapist and mindset coach. My purpose is to help mission-led business owners and visionaries who want to inspire change by leading the way in a space that otherwise may feel unnerving and too difficult. This is Bigger Than You. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a wonderful guest for you guys today, and I would love to introduce you to Dr. Sarah. Dr. Sarah is a clinical psychologist, trauma bond specialist, and relationship coach. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for this conversation too. We were talking just before we hit record. I know there's so much that's going to come out. So, before we kind of get into like the nitty gritty of what we want to talk about, could you just give everybody a little background of who you are, how you came to do what you do, just a general introduction? Yeah, yeah. So I've been working in mental health services now for, oh God, probably nearly 15-ish years. But the reason why I went into the specialism of trauma bonding is because So I have had personal experiences of trauma bonded relationship and what was really insightful is that you don't really realize the impact of it until you're out of it and Mm. even then the impact of it really lingers around and so it was interesting because I think I went through this phase where I was looking at so many people around me in my personal life and my professional life, my clients, staff that I was working with and I could see it coming up in a lot of different places and what's funny is that a lot of people don't necessarily recognize the signs of it Mm. but my god it affects your very being your very core and it affects just how it is that you live the rest of your life so so yeah I'm really embodying my personal mission (laughs) in terms of supporting people on that so got my own clinic I am going to be starting a group soon and I've been setting up retreats as well for the past year also helping people to heal from trauma bonds and toxic relationships. Wow sounds amazing amazing work. I know that people are generally familiar with what trauma means in terms of things that actually no I'm not going to assume that information because I was going to ask you can you just like Mm. define what you mean by trauma bond but actually could you go back one step and define trauma in the sense of what we're talking about here? Yeah, I think that's super important. So the word trauma gets battered about quite a lot. And I think the definition, the clinical definition of it has changed over time, but ultimately we have big T traumas and little T traumas. So it's kind of a range. So big T trauma would be something that is life-threatening, something that is really significant. And it could even be vicarious big T trauma. So what I mean by that is, let's say, for example, you're in a situation that you almost died in, or you saw somebody who either had passed or nearly had passed in a particular situation. So it could be a road traffic accident, or it could be a serious case of domestic violence and abuse. A little T trauma is slightly different in the sense that it's something that happens quite chronically. So it's something that happens repeatedly time and time again. 
which in itself can be traumatic, but it is something that is not potentially life-threatening as much as a big T trauma. So it could be the repeated experience of criticism or the repeated experience of verbal aggression or the repeated experience of neglect, of feeling rejected, of feeling judged negatively. And actually little T traumas are incredibly common, particularly in the corporate world. And it is also very normalized, which ends up leading to this really, really toxic environment. And I don't want to go too much into a tangent here, but then that also leads into areas like toxic positivity, where people are like, hey, let's be really, really positive about everything all the bloody time. Um, And it's kind of like hammer hard and this hustle mentality and all of this stuff. But actually, if you look at the background in terms of what's operating underneath that is that there is this forever sense of I must do better. I must push harder. I am not good enough. I am not worthy enough. I'm not valid enough. I'm not valued enough or all of the not enoughs. And the causes that lead us to that state, that would be trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you said, you said something about a lot of it is normalized so much around parenting. I just want to say this from being a mom and, and the way that I choose to parent now and how everything is different and changed since, you know, when we were kids is just an awareness of the words that we use and the things that are banded around as normal, but actually cause trauma. Like, for example, threatening to leave your toddler as a way to get them to come with you in the park, you know, to a two-year-old who's literally sees their mum saying, bye, see you later, to just try and get them to leave, depending on the child. But actually that can be traumatic. Yeah. And it can be traumatic. And and yeah, no, I'm completely on board with that. And I think people as adults or as parents, I'm going to draw this hard, right? And so it's kind of, I don't think it's fine. I don't think but we don't know what we don't know, do we? And so this is why conversations like this is so important, so that we can just become aware and do better. So, like, if you've ever done that, just to say, don't worry about it. You know, we're always doing our best. But yeah, knowing about this kind of thing and just what trauma is and how commonly we all we all have trauma. That's that's something really like I want to put through on this podcast is that every single person as an adult will have trauma and healing to do even if you don't think you do because a lot of it is invisible especially you know my personal story as as a high achiever the reason I became a high achiever was down to trauma I had no idea yeah and I didn't even realize like I, I lived my whole life as a high achiever and then did some healing work and had no idea but the reason I was such a high achiever is because I had this belief, subconscious belief, that I wasn't worthy unless I was achieving. And so that's the thing that was driving me. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think it's far more common in people who are objectively successful. Mm-hmm. And so people who become financially wealthy, who become successful in their careers, who become really senior or who own their own company, multiple companies, whatever it might be. So from what I can remember, and it's it's really annoying because I don't have the name of the researchers around this, but from what I can remember in terms of recent data, what it shows is around about 89% 
of high achievers do have some level of significant trauma. And so the trauma tends to be around so, so this is really simplified, but it's kind of divided into two big categories. So there's a category around attack and then there's a category around absence. Mm-hmm. So the category around attack is this sense of criticism, the sense of judgment, the sense of expectation and standard and really falling from that. So if you are not doing X, Y, and Z, if you're not at this particular standard, whatever it is, and the standard is objectively measured, then you're a disappointment. Then you're a little bit shit. <laughs> so, and, and the thing is, it's so common as well. Yeah. You know, so all, it takes is, all it takes is a, a throwaway comment. Like, a, a, you know, let's just imagine then you normally get four results, four marks on a test in school, and then you don't get four marks one day. And one of your parents means well, but basically is like, you know, makes a joke about it or much worse actually does say that's not good enough, but it can, that the trauma can actually even happen when it's meant well, but it's misinterpreted by the child. Like, you know, just that throwaway, one single throwaway comment can be enough to ingrain this belief that I'm never good enough unless I'm getting a hundred percent. And in comes the identity of perfectionism as an adult, you know, yeah, I don't think, absolutely. I mean, I'd love to know what you think on this, but I don't think you can identify as a perfectionist and not have some kind of trauma because we shouldn't be perfectionists. It's yeah. it's an identity that we have come to have as a way to keep ourselves safe. Yeah, And we wouldn't ever identify as a perfectionist unless there was something to heal. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I see quite a lot. So even if we look, if we look at personality traits, right. And so, I mean, I don't know whether you ever do personality trait assessments with your clients, or I know that some businesses use it quite a lot. And so clinically, I have a lot of issues with a lot of the personality assessment traits because they're not very well executed. And there's a lot of factors that they don't control for. But but regardless, the thing is, is that we've got a couple of very clear cut personality traits, right? So we've got the perfectionist mm-hmm. who, whatever it is that they do, they have to do to the utmost possible of their abilities. And even then it's not very good. So they just keep striving more and more. And the thing is kind of, it's, it's interesting because it's helped them survive or it's helped them get to the stage in life of where they're at because they've become exceptionally good at what it is that they're doing. And so they literally stand above the crowd. Right. And and so they, they're doing really well and they get really praised. They get acknowledged, they get their accolades and all of this. And so why would you not keep that trait going, right? Because it has literally helped you survive, particularly if you're growing up. So people who tend to have the perfectionistic trait, they tend to be people who've grown up in households whereby their parents were exceptionally high in terms of their career or high in terms of their financial income status, whatever it might be. Or it tends to be people who grow up in households whereby there was a lot of demands made. And so if you were not meeting the expectations and the expectations would be really unrealistic and it could be across different areas, Mm -hmm. then 
you would be punished or you'd be criticized, you'd be seen as a disappointment. So just to like, just something I want to point out, which I find really fascinating is that often these things are cross-sectional. So in the sense of, let's say a random example might be if you grew up in a household whereby your parents were really strict in terms of you exercising, the way that you look, your body weight, actually that could lead to perfectionism in your career. Even though they're two different domains, like your body weight and your career are different, but you would still develop that that high standard, that unrealistic, unachievable high standard. But, you know, we've got other personality traits where trauma has also been involved. So there is the achiever personality trait, which is a bit different to the perfectionist. So that's somebody who has to achieve a lot in so many different domains and they might end up having like 10 different businesses or have tried like an ample number of businesses and they have got loads of accreditations, they've got loads of qualifications, they've done this and this and this and yet it never seems to satisfy. There's always some void that they just find. And again, that void reflects their trauma or there's, you know, there are business owners or people in general who are just uh, normal employees who are peacemakers and they're helpers. And so this is also a significant trauma response because you learn through traumas that you can only ever be safe if you keep everybody else around you happy. Yeah. And so you kind of forget about your own needs because yeah. your needs equal the person in front of you's needs, like the person in front of you, like as long as their needs are met and you make sure that they're super happy, then you can kind of, you know, your duty is done and you can, uh, there's nothing left. Yeah. And a really common way to identify this is if you find it hard to put yourself first and have self-care, if you feel guilty when you're putting yourself first, that is a really clear sign that there's some work to do there because you shouldn't feel guilty about speaking your mind or taking time for yourself. And it's really valuable, the work that I do and how it influences the way that I parent and the things that I say to my girls because it would be so easy to, you know, quote, unquote, make my life easier as a parent if I tried to get my girls to you know, I've got four-year-old twins. So if one, um, I can't think of an example now, but if one wants to borrow something of the other, I always try and get them to speak up for themselves because one doesn't have to give the other one her thing if she doesn't want to, because we respect other people's values, opinions and everything. So I'm playing the long game in my parenting by getting my children to not be people pleasers. It's really important that they value themselves and the way that I'm bringing them up to do that is, you know, it is a long game, but it's so, so important because, well, you know, we could go on forever about how it's so important, but yeah, like most people, most adults on some level are people pleasing unless they've done work on themselves because because of the experiences we've had growing up the things that are just so normalized yeah yeah I've got you know you just reminded me so I've got a client who is exceptionally successful in her field and she's got a retail brand and and extremely successful and um it was interesting because 
one so, so I, I had a session with her actually I think it was last week and she made a throwaway comment about her getting her nails done and she said oh I've been so selfish it, it was such a throwaway comment and I was like oh oh let's just backtrack on what, what I'm like that with my clients I don't let I don't let something like that pass because it's evidence isn't it yeah yeah because because you know what I think these subtleties speak far louder than the big words that we're trying to say, right? And so it's often about what is not being said. It's often about the things between the lines that are, that's actually really important, right? Because the subconscious operates 95% of our behaviors. And I'm sure you know that, like, I'm sure you bang on about this all the all time. All the time. <laughs> all the time, right? Because, yeah. no, but, but, but seriously, it's so important though, right? And so the thing is, is that, it's almost like we're asleep. Like all these humans uh, walking the earth are asleep. And, you know, that goes to every single level. And when you recognize that actually you've been asleep, it's quite shocking because there are so many things that you let slide or there's so many things that you do on autopilot and you don't really recognize just the level of impact that it has. And and I think one thing as well, talking about parenting, I think one thing as well that a lot of parents get mixed up and, and, you know, with full good intentions, but what they get mixed up is that they start learning about the stuff, right? And then they teach their child what is healthy and unhealthy. Okay. And that is much better than not being aware and not teaching them. But the bit that's really important is actually modeling to your child. Because the thing is, is that kids learn far, far more from observing you, from seeing how it is, how it is that you interact with other people. But not only that, how it is that you treat yourself. They see that so much more than they hear the messages that you're trying to give them right because yeah. it's just it's the same message as go brush your teeth it's the same message as like oh we need to do your laundry it's the same message and so it's not you know if they're having a I don't know a hundred different messages from you in a day that one message of respect yourself isn't really going to land that much <laughs> compared exactly. to the other stuff whereas whereas actually they observe and sorry it's making me think of another client of mine so I had um someone else who I work with and she's a uh, manager of a particular, uh, well, she's manager of her company. I'm trying to maintain confidentiality here. Anyway, she's a position of manager and very intelligent woman. And she came to me, so she's got a seven-year-old daughter and she was telling me one session that she was having this conversation with a seven-year-old and, and they were talking about careers. And her daughter said, I really want to be a hairdresser. And the mom, my client said, okay. And my client, and she was aware and she was trying her best to be encouraging because she was like, you know what? I want to make sure that my kids are happy. I want to make sure that, you know, she can do whatever she wants and all this stuff. And she said, you can do what you want, but she was absolutely not convinced. Right. And so like, and so even though the words, the objective words, if we did a transcript would say, you can do what you want, but actually the tone, her body language, the stuff that was unspoken, she was not okay with it because she saw that as being beneath her or being inadequate, that it wasn't good enough, that actually she should be more intelligent. She should be striving more, that her standards should be higher and the expectations and and all of that stuff. And 
The thing is, is that the daughter didn't even hear the message of you can do what you want. The daughter felt really upset in that moment. And my client couldn't understand why, because she was trying her very best to give the message. But actually it was because, and this was quite early on in her journey when we were working together, she couldn't really understand it. And it was because she hadn't really sat down with herself to really do that internal work and to really process some of those past traumas, but also the relational aspect of it. So I suppose one thing that I, um, like you mentioned, like you introduced me as um, a specialist in trauma bonding. And so what is trauma bonding versus a trauma? Well, a trauma bond is ultimately when you're in a relationship with somebody and that could be a partner, it could be a parent, could be a child, could be co-worker, you know, a friend, whoever, but ultimately you're in a relationship with somebody where you go through a cycle of affection and love but then you hit abuse and you hit criticism and you hit something that doesn't feel very clear. And then you make up again. And then there's this bit of love. There's like a honeymoon phase and then you dip again and you kind of go through this like love hate relationship. And there's a lot of pushing and a lot of pulling. And so sometimes we can see it on a really clear cut scale, but sometimes actually it's a bit more subtle. And so it's really common within households, within a parent-child dynamic, whereby parents haven't resolved their own past traumas. Yeah. And so what happens in that moment is that the parent shows a lot of love, shows a lot of affection and praise to the child when the child does well. Yeah. But then also out comes the criticism when the A plus grade or the 100% grade or you know whatever it is isn't present that's when the emotions start to dip and that's when the hints of criticism come up yeah I'd also love to add an example to that is when everything's going well and again like I say this with absolutely no no judgment every single parent is always doing their best with the resources they've got and what that means is the amount of healing work they've done or not done on themselves so if you haven't done the healing work when you're like everything can be great you can have the best relationship with your child but when they start to kick off you are triggered and you start to act like the parent you don't want to be because you are triggered so you can find yourself even though you don't want to you can find yourself saying things that were said to you that you don't like you don't want to say that but you literally can't help yourself because you're triggered yeah. And that is really, really hard. Like I, uh, I, co- I coach um, business owners, but like I've said before, I coach on all sorts. You know, it's not just about the business, it's about the person in front of me. And so this has come up quite a few times with my clients where they're triggered by their own kids. And unless you've done that work to heal that within yourself, it's very hard to be the best version of yourself when you are triggered. So if your actions communicate that your child is not lovable when they are having a hard time, then that is going to need healing for that child in the future. That's my story. You know, we're literally talking about validating kids' emotions, whatever those emotions are, the really big, ugly, hard ones, those need validating too. The child needs to know that they are loved regardless of how they are going to be. And that is really, really tough to do, especially if you are stressed. 
and especially if you've not done your own healing work. So if you're listening and you know that you find it really, really hard to stay calm when your kid is giving you a hard time, just a couple of tips that really help me is to, number one, see them. If, If this is your experience, by the way, if you didn't have your feelings validated as a child, see your child as the little you. So that you, in that moment, when that's really, really tough, you can parent them the way that you wish you were parented. And the other thing to keep in your mind during those really hard times, those really hard moments, mm-hmm. is to know that they are having a hard time. They are not giving you a hard time. And to remember that you are on their team. And I don't know about older kids. My kids are only four years old at the moment. But whenever they are kicking off, Usually it's at the end of nursery or, you know, some that there's some kind of need the way like they're tired or whatever. They're not the best version of themselves, but they feel safe to kick off around me because, you know, I am their safe place and I do validate their emotions. And so, like I said earlier, I'm playing the long game with the whole gentle, respectful parenting. But nine times out of 10, they just need to feel seen and feel heard. So validating their emotions in those difficult moments is such a like I don't know what the word is it takes the wind out of the sails in the in in the way that like it de-escalates the situation this is turning out to be quite a parenting episode didn't realize that this was going to happen yeah, but I yeah. really hope that it's helping helping yeah. people yeah no I, I was you know what I was thinking the same um I didn't realize it was going into parenting but one thing that I'd like to add on that is that so <laughs> recent research has also shown that mums experience their child so their child acts 800 percent worse towards towards their mum compared to the next person right and Mm. if it's a two-parent household the next person likely to be dad but then that's still at like a hundred percent and so part of the reason for this is because actually what happens is that as children grow like when you imagine, okay, so you mentioned about a two-year-old and your parent says, right, I'm going now. And actually that's really distressing for a two-year-old. And it's really distressing because you are their world. Like that is it, right? And, And their world is collapsing. Their world is literally leaving right in front of them. So that's really distressing. The thing is, is that as children grow older, they become more aware that they're going to be developing a social identity. They become more aware that they're going to be I guess, leaving the nest a little bit. They come back to the nest and they leave it and they come back and they leave, right? And so they get into teenage years. At some point, they're going to get into their 20s and they're going to get older. But the thing is, is that as children are growing, they need to double, like be really, really sure that you are going to be their safe space, that you are always going to be there for them no matter what, and that you will consistently be there. And one way of them learning, like I said, children learn far more through observing you and how you are than they do through the words that you say so you can say to them I'm always here for you and it's it's a lovely message don't get me wrong don't stop saying I'm not saying stop saying that um but the thing is is that actually they need to see it because actions do speak louder than words right and so they need to see it again and again and again and again and so they really need to be ultra sure because as they grow older they also experience more risky situations, right? So they start going on dates. They mm. might get their heart broken. Then there's the issue around, am I attractive enough? 
there's the you know as they grow older then the issue around sexual intimacy with other people and then being more vulnerable and you know and then their career choices and how good enough they are in terms of getting into uh, colleges or universities or their business ideas or you know all of the stuff that kind of leads as they grow older but the thing is is that they need to be sure that you are going to be consistently there for them and that you are going to love them you are going to support them regardless of what it is that they're going through and so something I really voiced my clients for you to hold on to this message yourself but also if you're a parent to support your child with this is that your behaviors and you as a human being are totally two different things you are not your actions and I think the whole message of like you know you are what you do or you know, however it is it's framed. I feel like that, that's quite unhealthy because the thing is, is that you can do certain things. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good in terms of being healthy or unhealthy. But the thing is, is that you are still valid as a human being, whether or not you do X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. So let's say, I think if you think about kids, sometimes it makes the concept a bit easier. So for instance, if your child doesn't do their homework it doesn't mean that they're bad I know some people say like oh yeah you're really naughty you didn't do your homework no 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 the child is still loved by you you still love your child the child is still a valid human the child is still infinitely worthy you don't like not doing homework you prefer the action of doing homework but that doesn't mean that your child is naughty. Let's say mm. if your kid, I don't know, gets breaks a window, the breaking of the window, that's the bad behavior. But your child isn't inherently bad yeah. in that moment. And so I suppose it's almost, and, and, you know, when you're applying it to yourself, because I think a lot of business owners really struggle with this concept in the sense of if I've not hit my target, if I've not hit my six figure, seven figure, eight figure, whatever income target, or I've not recruited this number of clients, I've not sold this number of sales, <laughs> if I've not done X, Y, and Z, then I am shit, then I am not good enough, then I am unworthy. And that is something that's a really dangerous place to be in. And you can spiral pretty fast if you're in that place. Yeah, I love what you just said then because, and it's really, really interesting. It's cute, but I have a story which shows something. One of my four-year-olds, when she gets, annoyed like she when she like she's like it's okay for her to be upset if I don't let her have an, another biscuit or whatever like she's allowed to feel however she wants to feel you know she doesn't have to like me putting a boundary in place and her biggest insult for me <laughs> and Tom we're trying to crack down on at the moment but um her biggest insult to me is you're naughty mummy and that's like that's so cute that that's like the worst thing that she could tell me. But that shows her fear, isn't it? She fears being naughty, and yeah. like that's why it's so important to internalize for kids and adults that we are not our actions. So that's a really really good point. And what I'd just love to bring home, and I'd love for your um, take on it as well, is that life is a reflection of our belief systems because our brain is always filtering out what's around us and looking for evidence of what we believe to be true. So does the situations, the people that you're attracting into your life, literally the situations, the drama that is happening in your business right now, for example, if you're getting your boundaries pushed or, or whatever it is, all of life is a mirror. 
So when something is happening and it's not happening to you, it's happening for you, in order for you to grow and evolve, ask yourself, why is this challenging situation happening? And what is it reflecting in me that feels uncomfortable, that needs healing? And when you can identify that and do that work, you evolve and you heal those limiting beliefs. You heal, you do that healing work and you just watch how life gets easier because you don't attract those hard, boundary pushing, challenging scenarios in the same way because you've healed from them. Your subconscious doesn't attract those situations in anymore because you don't believe that those are right for you. Like you're, you increased your self-worth. So you feel like you completely embody this feeling of being worth more. So you're not available for those shitty situations that you were getting before. So yeah. like, it's yeah. just so it's not, even, it's not even a question. It's yeah. not even a question in terms of, am I worthy to experience this or not? It's not even a question. It's you you transcend to a place where your worth is infinite so you're really leaning into your essence but also it's a simple no yeah and and you you come from a place where it feels clean and that's it it's not even something to kind of have this internal debate over because you've cleared out you've cleared out the trash basically Mm -hmm. exactly and it's so so true like I do not struggle with people testing my boundaries because The way you feel about yourself is conveyed with your energy and your nonverbal communication. And so we're always subconsciously reading each other's nonverbal communication. And as human beings, we innately push boundaries. So when we feel where someone's boundary is, we know what we can get away with and what we can't get away with. And so the power of doing this work is just is amazing. We do need to wrap it up fairly soon. I'm really sorry, guys, just to be transparent. I need to go and pick my kids up from nursery. But Sarah, this is a great conversation. And I'm pretty sure Sarah and I are going to have another conversation in the future. So watch this space. But in the meantime, Sarah, where can people look you up? Where can they find you? And if you've got anything you'd like to share with them, please go ahead. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm actually changing my handle name to Dr. Sarah Alsawi Davis, bit of a mouthful there. Um, but you can find me on my website, which is healtoxicrelationships.com. And on there as well, I've got a couple of freebies. So I've got my free ebook, which I would love to share with your audience. And in there, there are 10 steps in terms of how it is that you can heal that inner wound that child in you that has developed from these traumas amazing we're going to put all of that information in the show notes thank you so much for joining us sarah and yeah thank you listeners see you all next week bye thank you for listening to the bigger than you podcast if you found it valuable please forward it to others who you think might benefit from listening and be sure to subscribe to get the new episodes when they release And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a rating or a review as it really helps the show to grow. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jenna Holloway, or on TikTok and Instagram. And my handle is at I am Jenna Holloway. And you can find links to whatever we cover in the show notes. Thank you for listening and see you next time.